Fighters, and no, I have not permanently changed my intro music. Uh, this this podcast is probably going to get a little bit ranty, and I really hate doing the negative one, so I figured I'd balance it off with something fun, and obviously my love of metal music is well documented. And through Tom's Big Spiders, I was lucky enough to meet a hobby buddy of mine, Danny Damon, who has banned Prognosis, who just released their first album yesterday, Definition, and I've actually been listening to it for, oh my gosh, it might even be over a month now. Fantastic music, so I figured I'd promote him a little bit because I love metal, and I'd really like people to check out the band. So again, it's just something I like to do for fun on the side. I'm not turning Tom's Big Spiders into a metal channel, but I do like fusing in some of my other likes into the you know tarantula stuff, and I know there are a lot of metal heads out there as far as tarantulas are concerned. So what I may do is just play a couple clips from the album in between you know the chapter breaks or whatever, but uh, definitely check this one out. I'm going to put it down in the description, a link to it. And no, this isn't sold commercial space, so anybody that wants to get cynical and go Tom selling commercial space or the ads, no, this is totally me. He uh, asked me to check out the album, and I absolutely loved it. My 15-year-old son, who's also a metalhead, loved it, so it was very easy to do. So when I can, I like to promote, and I'm on Bandcamp all the time, and I love supporting new artists and whatnot, so I figured this would be a cool avenue to do it with and kind of balance off some of the stuff that's coming ahead because it won't be quite so fun. So first off, I'd like to visit last week's podcast because there was some confusion over some of the things I said about the Peace Letharia band. First off, my buddy Josh Odin, who was the one that got me the predatory mites that I used to clean up the gnat problem I had, mentioned the fact that the Peace Letharia species, because of the ruling, you are still able to trade them and do breeding loans and things of that nature with them. So any state with breeding females, like if I want to trade to somebody in Rhode Island, that's perfectly permissible. That's not an issue. And I want to make that very clear. My main point was, yes, I can. I could go ahead and say, all right, I found somebody in Michigan that wants to breed uh, P. metallic, and I'm going to send them my mail. However, that person in Michigan to sell those slings now has to find people in Michigan to sell them to. And that's where the problem arises because I'm in a small state, and if I start breeding these guys and I don't have any place to sell them to, like I wholesale the slings that I get, or I just basically trade them off. I don't even like selling things, quite frankly, and we're going to get to the whole selling thing later. But I just like to trade them. Like, here you go, here are slings, what can I get for it? That's my preferred way to do it. I'm not looking to make money off them because that's not what I'm doing right now. But that avenue has now been erased. So if I get, you know, 100 slings of a species or 200 slings of a species, I have to find people in my state that want those or I'm stuck taking care of those slings. That is going to deter breeding. I'm sorry. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. A couple people will try it once, go, oh, my gosh, now I'm raising up 50 piece of Letharia regalis and probably won't do it again. Or you've got somebody like myself who is planning on breeding all the species of pokies. Now I'm looking at them going, hmm, do I really want to do this? Do I really want to take the chance of having to take care of hundreds of spiders? So that was more the point of it, but I don't, I, I obviously wasn't clear on that. And thanks, Josh, for pointing that out. I really do appreciate it. So hopefully people realize, yes, you can trade for breeding loans, supposedly, as long as you're not trading money. So if you do a breeding loan and they're going give to the, give you half the slings, gift them to you, or you know their earn, your earned slings, that's totally clear. So that does open up some avenues. I'm sure people will also exploit the heck out of that and just call things breeding loans when they're not and whatever. Whatever. I'm not here to tell you guys how to break the law, and I'm not encouraging that, but it is, it should be mentioned. Um, Joshua also mentioned that he did have 
um, Brachypelma albopelosum Nicaraguas that were wild caught, and he did see that the wild caught ones were particularly defensive and skittish. But as he said, similar to his experience of most other wild caught examples of any species, and that is something that really needs to be mentioned. And that's possibly if anybody listened to the last podcast where the individual was talking about how they're basically you described them almost like OBTs in the comment. That could have been something he was seeing. It's very, very likely that he got a hold of some wild-caught specimens, noticed that they weren't anywhere near as tame as people had been saying with the quote-unquote hobby forms, and that's where the issue arose. So, Joshua, once again, you're two for two. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it. You've uh, been a huge help to me overall, so I hope you stick around in the comments because this is really good. So, yep, it sounds like if you get, you know, and, and he brings up a very good point as well, that we don't see as many wild-caught specimens in the hobby now, at least in the United States. Most of them are captive bred, many of them captive bred in Europe and sent over. And obviously, even if you read old care sheets for spiders that just managed to make their way into the hobby, the temperaments tend to get a little bit better as we keep them more. And it seems like that the captive bred specimens do start to adapt more to captivity and you get some changes in temperament. So that's definitely something that bears repeating. So thanks so much for everybody that responded and a huge thank you. To anybody that responded to my call out from a list of breeders from state to state, I was a little worried at first because it went up and it it got a lot of shares, so I really do appreciate this. I I was hoping people would share those, and I never asked for my stuff to be shared. I'm not one of those people that begs for, you know, on YouTube, please smash that like button, that type of garbage. I don't really care about that. figure people need the information, they'll find it, but this was a situation where I really want to build this thing up. So it looks like we've got a lot of states covered right now. It started off slowly, and I was a little worried because there were only a handful of people responding. I'm like, oh gosh, we've got like five states covered, but they just keep trickling in, which is great. So we've got a pretty good selection. So I'm starting to put that together now. It's going to take me a little bit of time. Um, Billy's going to help me with this one because she's a bit better as far as organization and putting things like that together. And she volunteered. I I don't make her do anything. She's amazing and helps out. So we're going to start working on that one. Then what we'll do is get the preliminary one up and we'll start checking out, you know, some of these places, I might even ask, contact them and see if I can't get them to give me a little paragraph about themselves and make it a little more interactive. And also so that people know we're kind of watching because I figured that'd be a nice way. We're not right off the bat. We've got some on the list. I noticed one on the list that I've personally heard some bad things about, but I don't know. I haven't used them myself. So, well, there has to be a way that we can police this list and make sure that we're not just putting up something because it's the only one in the state, even if it's not good. So, I'm thinking if I actually contact some of these people and let them know, hey, I've got a website, it's for tarantula enthusiasts, and we're kind of looking at this kind of stuff, I think that might help to, you know, I don't know, maybe there'll, there'll be a little accountability, not that I'm the, the tarantula vendor police or anything of that nature, but I just want to make sure that I'm not promoting people, because this has happened in the past, where I promoted somebody that I thought was on the up and up, and they ended up screwing over a lot of people, and I felt absolutely terrible about it afterwards, so... Well, that's what I think we'll do going ahead, so look for that one coming out on my website. If you haven't subscribed to my website, I totally understand, but you may want to grab on because we're going to be doing some a lot more stuff going forward, and what happens is, is every time I do something, you get a little thing reminding you that I did something because I've had people go, oh, I didn't realize you covered this species, and it's because they don't get the notification. So just something to think about. I honestly don't care. I'm not out to do this to get followers or whatever, but I have had people comment that they wish they had followed earlier because they'll ask me, hey, when are you going to cover this species? And I'm like, I I did that last year and pretty in depth. So just something to think about. And real quick before we move on, I just realized that while speaking about the Pisolotheria species, I mentioned two species that are not even on the list. Metallica and Regalis are obviously not on the list. I misspoke there. So before somebody comments that I messed up, I definitely did. I apologize for that. 
So want to make sure we correct it before we move on. So here is a, another little clip from a song from the band Prognosis, who are having some fun kind of promoting here. It's called The Sick Event. Next up, oh, I really don't want to cover this one, but I feel like I have to say something because it's gotten a little bit out of hand, and I've been kind of really agonizing how to approach it in a way that isn't super negative, maybe ends with an uplifting message. I honestly don't know, but um, it all started the other day. I picked up my phone, and I, I normally don't. I have a lot of people that comment that I'm not on Facebook very often, and that's the honest God truth, and, and honestly, I do think there are some great facets of Facebook that when you have so many things going, like the podcast and YouTube and the website, it just and a lot of people are on Facebook all the time, it is a good place to kind of set up a, you know, for lack of a better term, a home base. So I reluctantly created the Facebook page a few years ago. A buddy of mine talked me into it, Casey Peter, and I let it languish for like a year. And then finally I got back to it, and I was glad I did because it was neat because it does, it does allow me to kind of collect people together. However, personally, I find Facebook to be like a social sewer as far as, you know, the things that come up on my feed. And, and here's – I'll just start it off with this. My biggest issue is it's kind of like when you – when you idolize like a you know a movie star or a sports person and you you think they're like the greatest people on earth and then you get to meet them and you get to see what really goes on in their life and what they're about and you realize they're terrible human beings and you don't want to talk to them again. Um, I had it happen. We were huge horror fans and there was one particular person my brother and I wanted to meet and the guy was a total jerk and it just kind of turned us completely off to him. It's kind of like that with Facebook with me and people I interact with. Personally, I just the, – the way I interact with people, I – it's they contact me for questions i answer the questions we talk about spiders something we obviously have in common and that's usually as far as it goes when you get on somebody's facebook feed and you see what they're posting and sometimes it's just total garbage hateful stuff it ruins it now i've got to, now i can no longer separate that now when you ask me about your bialbopelosum i'm thinking about that horrid thing you posted the profanity laced thing you posted the other day and in some cases against people or establishments or whatever that i don't think deserve that that's tough to ignore so hence why i try to stay off it it's just better for everybody involved i don't need to know what everybody's eating for dinner i don't need to know your political affiliation i don't need to know any of that stuff that's not how we're communicating so hopefully this doesn't come across negative i'm hoping some people are shaking their heads going yes and agree with me again i think there's some great things to come off facebook but there's also the you know the sewage of it and what happened the other day is i, I picked up my phone and I just I was sitting in school and it was in between class and I picked up my phone. And I went to check my message. I ended up on Facebook and something caught my eye and I read it. And it was this just venomous, inarticulate, nasty, profanity-filled rant by somebody that I, I interacted with before and had good interactions with. And after reading it, it was just like I realized it was about the hobby and about people in the hobby and about situations. And I was just absolutely disgusted by it. Like I <laughs> – it drove it was like one of those things like why on earth would anybody put this in a public forum and about the same time i got asked 
by somebody on one of my YouTube channels about what I think about the prices of some of the more expensive things coming out. Why are they so expensive? Why can't these tarantulas all be super cheap so everybody can have them? And I have some thoughts on that as well. And then after reading a little bit more, I found out that all of this stuff was kind of connected. And basically... I've seen the dark side of the hobby now and I don't like it. I think that's what it comes down to. And being somebody that tries to stay out of the little petty battles and the little, you know, popularity contests and the clicks that we have popping up all over the place. I, I tried I joined a lot of groups, but I don't participate in a lot of them, particularly for this reason, because I just don't want to get involved in this stuff. It's tough for me to see this. Um, the way I've always seen it is that when you're part of a fringe group, whether it be, you know, if you're a brony, if you're somebody that likes, you know, horror movies, if you like something that's not normally considered to be, you know, socially popular, tarantulas, not something most people are doing, usually that should bring you together. I think we all find a common bond and try to, you know, put some of our differences aside. But of course, we're dealing with humans and human nature here, and that's kind of a silly notion. And I understand there's going to be friction. It's just the way things roll. But we've really cast our hobby in a not a particularly great light these past few months. And I think a lot of this started with the Brazilian issue. Again, I'm not going to get into that whole thing. I've urged people to step back and kind of let it run its course. And if I've had many people ask me why I'm not going to directly respond to this, it's because I, I considered it a non-issue and something that needed to honestly die down and people needed to just calm down a bit. And now we've calmed down and things are starting to settle down, which is great and, and about time. But I think that exposed some divisions in the hobby. I think with the fact that it involved dealers and obviously business. And, and, and again, when you're dealing with business and money, things always have the propensity to get nasty. And that's one of the reasons why I'm not a big into trying to do this for a profit. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with trying to do it with a profit. Quite frankly, there are people that look at me and go, why wouldn't you try to do this as a profit? It's just not what I'm interested in. I understand the need for commerce. I understand the need for people to make money off these in order to keep offering them to us. But what I don't understand is the bickering between the groups. It gets really old really fast. Unfortunately, I'm friends with a lot of people or acquaintances, at least, with a lot of people in the hobby, dealers, people that have been doing this for a long time. I count as, you know, confidants and stuff from across the board. And some of them don't agree with each other. So it, it's not like I have a pony in this race. I'm not here to pick sides. What I am here to do is try to urge people to try to stay out of these things. So, for example, the, one of the things that's popped up recently is there's slings coming in. They're super expensive. I was kind of out of the loop on this one. I'm back to school. I'm not following social media as much, but I've done a little catching up. So I, I, I'm trying to wrap my brain around what's going on. But there's, you know, somebody asked me via my YouTube channel about what I thought about high prices and isn't it ridiculous that people have to pay high prices like that. And honestly, I, I have a couple thoughts on this. And part of it is I've, I've mentioned before, my wife and I, Billy and I, did small press book publishing for quite a while. And basically we put out really – what we did was basically hand-crafted, nice edition, hand-bound editions of books with, you know, super high quality materials, illustrations. These were like collectible editions that were numbered and signed and they were expensive. And Billy and I got into this because originally we were, you know, I liked buying the books and I saw how expensive these books were. 
And I was like, man, these, it really drives me nuts that I can't afford to buy this book from my favorite author because it's selling for $250 or $200. And I was a little bit aggravated by the fact that I wasn't able to get these books. So we started dabbling in it. I had illustrated. I had edited before. And to make a very long story short, we started our own company, and we were doing it for the love of it. And I'm going to keep coming back to the for the love of it thing. I loved horror. I loved illustrating. I loved horror fiction. I loved putting the books together. The artist, the artist in me absolutely love picking out my materials, my end sheets. It's just anybody that's ever done anything with books is understanding what I'm saying. Anybody that hasn't is probably like, what is he going on about? Let's just say there was a lot of work that went into it, a lot of effort behind the scenes, a lot of stuff that was never accounted for once the finished product was out, and a lot of money to pay for these up front. So we started doing the, uh, the publishing with the whole idea of basically doing it for the love of it and we were going to make these things affordable so people could now afford these super deluxe high you know end books that of their favorite authors well guess what it didn't work out that way unfortunately i'm a terrible businessman because when you get into something for the love of it and just completely disregard the business side of it that does not bode well for success and again, that's something people need to keep in mind. Yes, we would love a perfect world where everybody gets everything they want, all the you know pretty spiders that are just coming into the country for 25 bucks so everybody can afford them, but it's not how things work. People need to pull a profit to continue to do this. You're not just going to – you do it for the love of it to a point, and then you have to start charging. So – to bring this back to our books, what happened was is they started getting more and more expensive because we were realizing we were putting more and more time, more and more effort, and more and more of our personal finances into these. The second book we did, it was, I remember one of the most traumatic moments of my life. I met with a bookbinder. We picked this beautiful velvet fabric for the cover. We made up the stamps for the cover. We were going to have leather on the spine. This thing is, go I have one sitting on my shelf right now. Absolutely glorious looking book. So excited. Unfortunately, we blew our budget by about $1,500. So we had to pay $1,500 even after we sold every single book out of our own pocket to cover these. Sure, all the reviews online were how much of a beautiful book this was and what a steal it was. And it literally was a steal because they were getting that thing for a fraction of what we paid for it. So I do have a unique perspective because I have been in business for myself before. I have taken something that I love and I have turned it into you know, something that I was hoping would, for me, it wasn't ever about making money. We took every dime, even when we made some money on stuff. And this is what people need to understand. People would complain about the cost of the book. I don't understand why this book is $175. Well, if we were making any money on it, it wasn't a lot of money after we paid for the author. I didn't even account for my time. My illustrations would sometimes take me weeks to get them done. Some of my illustrations, I don't know how many people have seen them. I'd rather you don't look them up because some of them are horrific, but they would take hours and hours and hours and we didn't pay ourselves for that so any money we made was rolled right back up into getting another author so we're paying authors with it and then after a while we weren't making any money and after a while I was like all right I'll just take money out of my next paycheck to pay this guy to make sure that you know he gets paid properly and it just did not work because we stuck to the for the love of it I took books on that I probably shouldn't have taken because I knew they weren't going to sell but I absolutely loved them and believed in the author I figured we'd give it a shot so enough about me that's just a preface to understand that I do get how business works and I do get how business works when you're dealing with something that there are going to be high-end models or things that are just not going to be attainable price-wise. So although I do believe sometimes the prices that are put on some of these things are ridiculous. Like I remember trying to get H. Polkerpies and I contacted somebody that was getting them in. This was a few years back. And like, yep, I can get you two, I can get you a sling, no problem. It'll be $600 for a sling or they're $550 each if you buy two or more. 
And I remember going, I'm not paying $550 for that. I, A, I didn't think it, to me, and I need to make this very clear, to me, I didn't think it was worth the price at all. And I didn't have that kind of money. And had I had that kind of money and spent it and this thing had not lived, I would have been beside myself. So guess what I did? This is, is it, this is the best way you can speak in a situation like this. I went, okay, thank you, no thanks, and walked away. I wasn't rude. I didn't tell them they're gouging prices. I didn't say you should lower this because I didn't know how much this individual had paid for these slings to begin with. I understood from my own business perspective that there was likely a lot, because they weren't, there weren't a lot of them around here, there was a lot of money and effort and time put in behind the scenes. So I'm not going to judge if they jack them up. Bottom line, they have something that people want. And they have something, and this needs to be made very clear because I don't think people realize it. We all want to see these things come out for super cheap prices. Every time I see a new thing discovered, I'm like, gosh, I can't wait till it goes down in price. We all want it. It's human nature, especially when you're in a hobby like this where we do go by looks on stuff. You, You want these things. But unfortunately... We're not entitled to them. And I think that's what we start getting is a little bit of entitlement. Well, everybody should have this new species of spider that they literally just took out of the jungles of Brazil, probably illegally, read a, you know, raised, raised a few slings in Europe, and now they should be over here. It doesn't work that way. Some people would like a Bugatti. They're never going to get it because they're expensive. That's the thing. You want the nice stuff, you have to pay for it. So I'm kind of floored sometimes at this attitude that when people want to, you know, basically be compensated for what they're doing or even if they put a ridiculously high price on it we don't have to buy these things knock it off i know everybody would like these things to be super cheap they'd like them all to be affordable by everybody but that's not how it works plus they shouldn't all be affordable to everybody because there needs to be those ones that we're just learning the husbandry on if we just got something that they pulled out of the wild it's going to be a couple of years before we actually know how to take care of it do we really think that you know average person off the street that just picked up you know I don't know, went on Google, went pretty spider and saw this thing should be taken care of it at this point. Most of us would agree probably not. They're probably not ready. So it's kind of the natural, it kind of enables a natural progression sometimes because the people that generally buy these things first are the ones that plan on eventually keeping a breeding pair, breeding them and getting more of them into the hobby. I referenced the Polker Peas. When I bought my first Polker Peas, it was about a year and a half after they had first debuted for $600 or whatever. And I think I got mine on sale for 175 which at the time was a great deal. And at the time was the most I had ever spent for a spider and involved a lot of soul searching on my end and a lot of me trying to convince myself and Billy that it was worth it. Although Billy, I think, was convinced more easily. She thought it was beautiful and knew I could do it. But it, was, it took a lot to get me to spend that kind of money. However, what do those go for now? I saw ones the other day, $45. So there we go. All I had to do, if I didn't want to spend that much money, I could have waited a couple more years. So you got to start thinking, what is it you want? Do you want the spider because you've heard it's an amazing spider? Or is there something pretty that you think you deserve? Because that's what it's starting to sound like with some of this stuff. That people honestly, it's like we're entitled to get these. We're not entitled to them. And you have to remember that the people that are bringing these things over and spending all this money to get it done, even if they jack up the price a bunch, the prices will eventually come down. So there's something right there. All right, you don't get them in this round. I'm sorry. This, uh, we've, we've kind of sadly become an, a society of instant gratification where it's like, I need this and I need this now. And I am totally guilty of this myself because I see things and I'm like, I have to get that. I have to get that. I totally get it, especially as far as the hobby is concerned. It's why it's so addictive. So I'm not judging people here, but I think sometimes we need to take a deep breath and step back and realize, okay, a, if it's too expensive for me, then I wait it out because somebody's eventually going to breed these things. And I know with some species, we talk about they're very slow growing and that they're going to be, it's going to take forever to get ones in the hobby. I do appreciate that. But again, we don't, it's not something you're going to die without. 
We have to wait it out. That's just how it goes. And then we have to remember that if they jack the price up, not only will the prices tumble, but what's going to happen is a lot of times when these things first come out, they are trying to get their money back from their investment. I don't think people sometimes realize how much money is put into bringing these things over, how much of a huge investment. And a lot of it is getting your money back as quickly as possible because, you know, I think a lot of us, we drop, you know, three, $400 and we're like, wow, we just spent a lot of money on spiders. Imagine 10000 imagine $20,000 worth of spiders. Imagine how many people have that in their pocket. So if you're a business and you're trying to bring these things over, yes, you're going to try to command a decent price because you're going to offset the fact that some of these might not survive, so you might lose money there, and you're paying a decent amount each. You have to take that into consideration. These are animals. Some of them, especially slings, will die. So now, all of a sudden, you're, whatever you paid for it, say you paid $100 a sling, that might be up to $125, $150 a sling because you've lost some. And then... If you're bringing them in, somebody eventually is going to get them beside you and they're going to put them up. And now there's more, more of them on the market. So that's what creates that little price thing where prices start going down and you basically try to find your best deal on them. And the people that spent all the money on them, if that person got them for an even better price and can sell them even cheaper, now they're in trouble. Now they're in risk of losing their investment on them because the prices will drop to a point where it was no longer worth it to bring them in. And that's the long and short of it. And again, are there instances where people jack the prices up to a point where most people feel that they were ridiculous? I guess there are. But if people are buying them, then I guess they're not that ridiculous. I just, and again, I think it's my perspective on this is there are tons of spiders out there I love. There are ones out there that cost a lot of money that I would love to have in my collection. But I just ask myself whether I really want to spend that money. If the answer is no, I don't get them. If the answer is yes, I'd live with it. It all comes down. It's like when people post, you know, what is my spider worth? Well, what are people willing to pay for it? It's that's what drives it. Um, the thing that really kind of scares me, though, is because of this, you know, some of the stuff that's been going on with the Brazilian species. And there's one brewing right now that's it's tearing up a bit. The division it is causing not only between dealers but between hobbyists because what I'm seeing is a lot of dealers have their places they like to hang out. They have their forums. They have their Facebook groups. And it's kind of like it's not their group but it's kind of like they're the official dealer of that group so to speak. And what's happening is everybody's got their own opinion on what's going on and they spread it. And people that follow those groups just immediately go, well, this person's been good to me. They've sold me good spiders, and I'm just going to take their side. And it becomes this little clicky, infighting, gross, high school-y drama thing where it's this group's posting this. And this. Well, I went over to this group, and I told them off, really, guys? Come on. I mean, I work in high school, and I work freshman. And so you get kind of the most immature kids of all. And again, if they're freshmen listening to this, some of you guys are really good, so I might not be talking to you. But I, I look at this clicky drama all day long I don't want to see it when I go home and try to socialize with people that are in the hobby with me honestly I think there needs to be a point where we realize that we are adults and take a step back use our own brains avoid this type of trash talk I mean it's just like a mob mentality somebody goes on you know, a forum that is generally favorable to dealer A and they just start bashing dealer B. And then you go over to dealer B's forum and they're bashing for crying out loud, let it go. Let's be adults about this. When you see this type of stuff pop up, walk away. One of the uh, messages I read on Facebook that really just, it was one of the almost a few times I broke character and went on and said something because it was just so over the top, I couldn't believe it. But it was somebody literally just saying, I'm running around stirring up the pot. And then I have to be honest, somebody that I look up to that I've uh, associated with, with quite, for quite some time who 
is, you know, kind of a voice in the hobby and was egging it on and encouraging it. And it was disgusting as far as I was concerned. Like, you've got to be kidding me. That's not what we should be doing. We should be telling people to calm down, not trying to stir things back up. But again, it comes down to allegiances and who people are backing and who they feel support for. And I know a lot of us that buy from certain dealers, I think part of this hobby, because it's smaller, is you do get to kind of intimately know the people you're working with. Obviously, not in a creepy, intimate way, but in the fact that we do chat. I, I have gotten to know many of the dealers I work with just kind of behind the scenes and how they are as people. And it's just part of the hobby that it's so small that we can get to know. It's not like, you know, most people aren't sitting there having arguments. Oh, my Walmart's much better than your Walmart because Johnny, the manager there is amazing. It doesn't happen. It, it, it's just not something that happens in those type of situations, but it happens in the hobby because we feel like we know these people. They help us out. They give us freebies. They give us advice. They become like kind of part of our little hobby family. And I think that's why we're so darn protective of them. So when somebody says something negative about somebody we like, we feel like we need to jump in. But if you feel the need to, you know, to defend somebody, please do it in a rational and logical manner. Say your piece, say like, Hey, that hasn't been my experience. And then walk away. Don't drop the match in the, in the gas tank and watch it burn. Don't stir the pot. Don't encourage people to say stuff because you're finding it funny because in their immature little way, they're stirring things up and making it difficult for somebody that you obviously have animosity toward because they're not the dealer that you work with knock it off. And I know there's been some people posting stuff up and I love reading. There's been a, a couple folks that posted things up about this whole mess. And it started with the Brazilian species. Like, come on guys, can't we just get along? And then with this latest mess, basically posting things saying, Hey, can we all just stop? You need to understand that when business is involved, people are going to get catty. People are going to get nasty. People are going to get cutthroat, especially when the business is as small, potentially small as the invert businesses right now. There aren't a lot. I mean, you, you could probably name the number of really reputable, well-known dealers using one hand and maybe an extra finger. That a lot of them pop up. A lot of them don't last. And the ones that do last, they're usually doing something right. And something else I heard that really irritated me is somebody was making the comment that there are very few sellers in the hobby that actually do it for the love of the spiders. They're only doing it to basically make money. And I'm torn on that one because really, if you're going to make money, how many people are going to start selling spiders that don't actually care about spiders? That's not normal. The people that get into this hobby and start selling these things usually have a love for the animals, start doing a little bit of breeding and move from there. And I've, and again, I've spoken to a lot of them and I love hearing about what got them into selling spiders because for me, it's such a unique thing. I have to do transition stuff with my kids at school where we talk about what they're going to do after high school, start looking at what their skills are and what they're, you know, Hey, you're really good at sciences or something you like to do in science. You're really good in math. I have yet to have a kid raise his or her hand and go, I would like to be a tarantula dealer when I grow up. It just doesn't happen. It's something you fall into because of a love of it. And then going back to my example for the publishing, why did I start publishing books? I never had any intention of publishing books. I enjoy doing artwork. I enjoy the creativity that goes into designing them. And I did it for a love of that specific genre. I wasn't doing romance novels. Billy would probably love that, but we weren't doing romance novels. We were doing horror because I love horror. It was because of a love of it. And then I turn that into a business. And guys, here's a shocker. For businesses to stay around, they have to make money. 
So obviously, there are there going to be miscues? Are people going to overprice things? Yes, it's going to happen. But the way is it to blow up, start calling people names, dropping F-bombs, um, calling people greedy, questioning the integrity of dealers by insinuating only a handful of people actually do this for a love of it. That's crap. The majority of the people in this absolutely love the animals. And I know because when I talk to them, we have a little side conversations about the things we keep. I heard somebody insinuating that somebody I work with very closely and know for a fact is hugely into the hobby and loves the animals and keeps some in their own collection said this person doesn't even keep tarantulas. That's garbage. The amount of work that goes into keeping these things. And I got a huge wake-up call with my first batch of Hapalopus species, Columbia Larges. I... Raise them. I thought I was going to get a sack of about a hundred. I ended up with close to four hundred. It was a nightmare for me to take care of these things. I separated the majority of them out. I was taking them out every you know two three days to make sure they had a moist corner to clean up boluses. It was absolutely exhausting, and it was in that moment I kept turning to Billy, and I'm like, I don't know how people like. Ken the Bug Guy and Jamie and Tanya and, you know, uh, Pinchers and Pokies and those folks do this day in and day out. You have to have a love for tarantulas to want to care for them. It's not like we did books. You know what we did with the books? We got the books in boxes. You stuck them in a corner in the garage and packed them up when you had an opportunity. You didn't have to feed them. You didn't have to change them. You didn't have to rehouse them. They just sat there. And then when Billy and I would have to send out when we got a new book in, because what happened is they'd get bound, we'd get them in, and we'd take pre-orders to cover our money. And again, a lot of these high prices you're seeing for the individual slings are people trying to recover the huge investments they put into bringing these pretty spiders that we all want into the country. And what Billy and I would do is try to pack them up as fast as possible. But guess what? If we didn't mail them out, they could just sit there in boxes because they weren't live animals. Now imagine doing that with animals that you have to care for day in, day out. Imagine you have to pack orders. You just had a horrible day at work. You have to come home and pack out, uh, pack up four or five boxes of spiders that immediately need to be dropped off at the FedEx the next morning, which you have to coordinate. Some people do this as side jobs. Some people do it as a source of income. Why should we bemoan that? We want people attracted to this hobby that are going to try to sell spiders and make a business out of it, or else we're going to have very few options to get these spiders. It's like we have people that get successful, and all of, all of a sudden we got the detractors. Oh, they're selling all this. Why don't, aren't their prices cheaper? Why aren't they doing this? Well, if they're becoming successful, they've found a model that works for them. It's keeping them in business. If they're selling one spider, and the markup is, I don't know, you throw a number out there, 200% will go, and it's marked up 200%. It's probably one that's really desirable, hasn't been in the hobby particularly long time or for a long time, and that mostly people that plan on breeding them are going to buy, which eventually will devalue the spider. And, you know, as more of them flood the market, the prices will go down. But with that, you can bet your butt that there are a bunch of other spiders on their site that are basically being sold for not much at all above what they paid for them because they're not heavy sellers. So think about it. You get the LPs, the Bialbopelosums, things of that nature. Those don't get a lot of money. They don't make a lot of money on those. They have to make their money somewhere or they can't stay in business. So again, it's a complex thing. And I think people that have had had to try to do businesses before or run their own business and had to try to do this balancing act of prices and pre-orders and trying to figure out which things you're going to jack up and how much or whatever, they realize it's never. you can't just look at one item. You have to look at the whole shebang. If they're carrying, I don't know, 75, 100 different species, I'm going to go out on a limb that the ones that are marked up are the ones that there is a huge demand for, and that's just good business practice. 
to a point. Again, I'm not going to, I know somebody's going to hop on here and it's going to turn into an argument. And I'll tell you right now, I'm not engaging where they're going to start going, well, do you think this is a ridiculous price to pay for this? I probably do. I probably won't buy it at that price, but I'm not going to sit there and argue it. It's what it, it is, what it is. And I'll wait till it goes down. But I do think you need to look at not just one species. You have to see what they're doing business-wise at a whole. And to judge somebody, if somebody puts something out really cheap, again, that's their prerogative. But I do know talking to the dealers, there's kind of a an overall, it's not like a cabal of dealers that they get together in these shadowy basements with this you know, gothic architecture and you know the, the, the cowls and the and candles. And like, all right, how can we gouge our customers this time? But there is kind of an understanding that for this trade to continue and run smoothly that they're everybody kind of agrees around a price for something and that's to make sure that people that are spending the money and investing the money to bring them over don't end up losing gobs of money and disappearing i can think of a couple people that they had imports that didn't go well they ended up getting screwed didn't get their import and guess where they are now i'll give you a hint they're not selling spiders so some of these people were highly thought of and talked about very highly and promoted by many people and now they're gone and people were left without spiders without money do we want that or do we want people to safely cover their overhead, make sure they have money and use that money usually to bring in even more cool spiders? Because I think we're, we're all seeing it as they spend this money, they jack it up and then they take all that money, they shove it in their bank and they go on a vacation. No way. There's shows to pay for. There's new imports. A lot of these guys import monthly. They're pulling in new stuff all the time. That money will go toward paying for that import and the profits generally get churned right back in. They put it right back into it and buy other spiders. And should they be able to make money for it? Yes, it's a business. So people that are sitting there like everybody should be able to have every spider they want and that shouldn't be expensive and it's disgusting. People want to make money on this. Wake up. It doesn't work that way. This is I, We can talk about American capitalism all we want and I'm not a huge fan of it myself. I, I, I don't think there's many people out there going, yay, capitalism. But we have to look at how things realistically work and I would say more often than not in this hobby, our animals do come down in price rather quickly. Again, I cite the poker peas. It only took a couple of years for them to go from something that, you know, a handful of people are going to be able to buy to just anybody can pick them up now. The Another one I'm thinking of is the Monocentropus balfouri that were also used to be super expensive when I got in the hobby. Now, I've seen people selling those for 35 bucks each in the States. And granted, it doesn't happen often, but if you look, you'll find people selling them for cheap. It's all a balancing act. And if somebody puts something up there that's ridiculously high-priced, and people don't buy it, the price has to come down. If people are buying it, it means there's a demand. So again, I just want to uh, encourage people, don't waste your time putting something in here, trying to argue this one out with me or, or giving examples or whatever. I'm not biting. I'm not into it. I'm just asking people to use their brains, use logic, and consider there's more to it than just, if you see a high price on something, there's more to it than just that one spider. I'd be more concerned with, you know, there's dealers out there that it's a running joke that their prices are always way higher than everybody else. Why isn't anybody getting cranky about that? It's, it's just the way business goes. If your prices are high and people are paying for them, you continue to be in business. If your prices are too high and people aren't paying for them, you adjust or you go out of business. It's as simple as that. And I do think we need to be mindful of the fact that the majority of the world would look at us like we're absolutely crazy for whining about the fact that we can't afford the new pretty spider that we want. It's not how the hobby works. Um, I used to do snakes years ago, and I remember the ball pythons when the morphs started coming out, really coming out, and there were ones I absolutely thought were gorgeous. The piebald, when those first came out, I was like, I need this snake. 
Guess how much those went for? I think I contacted a guy. He had babies coming, and for a smooth nine grand, I could have gotten one. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I can't afford that. But guess what? People paid it. And then people took them, and they bred more, and they made their money. And that's kind of – and so it goes. That's how it works. So, again, guys, I, I hate doing these negative ones. But every once in a while, I feel like I need to step in. And, and considering this, this Facebook message that I, I – Facebook post that I saw and somebody asking me specifically what I thought about high-priced spiders, I, my thought in a nutshell is if you think it's worth it, buy it. When people ask me, do you think this is worth it? I, I have a pretty good idea what things go for. So sometimes some people are like, oh, you know, if somebody has an M. Balfouri, it's unsexed juvenile, and it's for 200 bucks. I'm like, no, buddy, hold off. Just get a sling for, you know, 50 or 60 or whatever. Um, but in many cases, it's are, is that what you want to pay for it? Hey, somebody's selling a GBB for $185. It's a sex female, and it's like four inches. Do you think that's worth it? And I'm like, oh, it's a little higher than I'd pay, but if you think it's worth it, it's worth it. And there goes the dogs cooking in the background. I'm not going to delete this one. So for everybody listening to this one, here is what I ask and, and I implore. And again, I don't want to say Tom is watching, but Tom is watching because a lot of you guys have added me on Facebook. So I occasionally see your feeds and see what you're posting. It's not like I'm out there stalking people, but it does pop up so I can see things. But for those of you that are listening, please, when you see one of these things breaking out, stop with the getting the popcorn. Just walk away from it. Let it go. It's Obviously, people will be people. And when one of these situations happens, everybody loves a little drama. It spices up you know, the afternoon or the work week. You're sitting at work bored and like, oh, a little Facebook eruption, a bunch of people bad-mouthing vendors and fighting back and forth like children. Just walk away from it. Don't bother posting. Don't feed into it. Don't start jumping in like, well, I hate this vendor and I hate this vendor. There's no point. If you have a vendor that's doing something legitimately bad, selling, you know, the wrong sex spider, the wrong spider, not, you know, honoring their dead on arrival guarantee, whatever it may be, obviously something that's legitimate shady business practices. And there are ones out there who do that. Of course you need to share that. And it needs to be done in a logical and not, you know, heated way. Just state the facts, let people know, try to keep the emotions out of it, although it can be difficult sometimes. Obviously it's frustrating. So that people will read it and take you seriously. But as far as just jumping on these arguments that are just obviously either arguments between different vendors with differing opinions or the little clicks that tend to spring up between the different Facebook groups. And I'm again there's many of them out there. They all have their distinct personalities. They all have their distinct people running them that have their own way of doing things. And they all seem to kind of grab their own you know, people. And they're trying to stay away from that. What is the point of it? Let's keep the hobby positive. If you see something like this, just step away from it. That's what I do. I, I read these things. And, I, and believe me, part of, sometimes you want to jump in because it's somebody you, you know, feel strongly about. But the best thing you do is let them die down. Because we don't need these long popcorn threads making the hobby look like a bunch of, you know, we're all a bunch of petulant children that are just warring amongst each other. It makes no sense whatsoever. Let's just not all blindly succumb to this, you know, vendor bashing. And I, to the YouTubers out there and the people that are, you know, trying to become an influence in the community, when you see something like this happen, be the referee. Be the person that steps back and goes, guys, this is pointless and, and moves away from it. Please don't encourage it. What, what kind of message is that sending? I, I just don't understand when you can blatantly see somebody trying to wind up another person who's, you know, vulgarly bashing somebody else. I just don't see the point in that whatsoever. If you're going to be a leader in this hobby and if you're going to, you know, entertain people or educate people via your channels or whatever, 
just let's take a step back and be mature about it and not be jerks. I just, I don't see what that gains. Sure, you'll get a couple people that'll be like, oh, I like this guy or I like this girl. She tells it as it is. You'll get a lot more people that are silently pointing at you and laughing at you and going, what an idiot. And I think a lot of cases we don't realize that's happening, but it does. And then you're going to get a bunch of people that are going to be completely turned off because we have enough negativity in our lives right now with everything that goes on in the world. What goes on, you know, just put on the news if you want to see it. And I think hobbies should be an escape. So it really bothers me. I have to say, and that's why I've spent, you know, oh my God, gosh, 40 minutes dealing with this. And I feel terrible because I hate doing the negative ones, but I feel like I had to to say something about it. And I've been more, as I'm sitting here, I got a message on my phone about, did you see this post? So here we go. I get sucked into them one way or another, but I just really encourage folks to step away from this type of drama. Don't get involved in it. Don't post, don't post little popcorn memes, although they're kind of funny because it, it does kind of point out the fact that this is about to get absurd. Um, just walk away from them. If you have a good experience with a dealer, by all means, share it. That's another good thing. A lot of these guys do a lot of stuff behind the scenes that goes unrecognized. I've heard so many stories of free spiders helping people out, sending people replacements when they didn't have to, all these good things that are all completely quickly overlooked when somebody goes on the board and just starts flaming them for what they perceive as just a terribly unforgivable you know, whether it be a small situation where something didn't get delivered on time or in a situation that we're talking about here, prices that they see that are a little bit high. Let's just stop that stuff. Vendors, let's try to get along. You guys, we, we really do appreciate what you all do for us. I've, again, had the pleasure of interacting with a lot of you and getting to know you a bit behind the scenes. And I can say you're fantastic people. They're obviously people that care about the hobby, that care about tarantulas, that care about customers. I can't tell you how many times I've anguished with some of these guys over situations that have gone bad and they felt terrible for it because they want to take care of their customers. They want them to have good experiences and it bothers them when things don't go well. They're conscientious. They want to do right by the people that are buying from them. So let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Let's save the pitchforks and the torches and the lynch mobs for people that really deserve it or need it. And I I probably shouldn't encourage rioting, but uh, I, I think there will be and there always are going to be situations that pop up. And it, and it blows me away sometimes because I can think of one that was recent where a lot of people got screwed over and a lot of people were jumping up to defend this person because they had earned a lot of respect in the hobby. So it, it kind of always cracks me up to see which people are actually defended and, and especially when they've done something really terrible. Like if you screw over a customer and take advantage of them, that's one thing to attack people because you think their prices are too high and you have an option. You walk away. You say, oh, it's too high and you move on. I mean, if you have to post something like, well, it's a bit too high for me. I'll wait for they come down. That's fine. But we need to stop. Obviously, this hobby is not going to grow if we don't cooperate. Everybody, I've talked about how we import and a lot of people, when they import, they will go in on imports together. They will use certain people's import licenses. It's it's a very much a community behind the scenes of vendors because they really do lean on each other and help each other out and communicate, which is the best of the hobby, which is what makes this hobby great. People that are in business together actually recognizing they have a common interest in working together. When the hobby's not great is when stuff like that goes sour and goes public and things are put out there that probably were never meant to be put out there. Or people basically just run to whatever forum is currently backing them up and then people blindly follow this person and never think that 
that there might be another side to the story. Let's knock that crap off. Seriously, it's it's let's keep the hobby fun. Let's keep it positive. Let's keep Tom from having to get up early on a Saturday morning and feel like he has to address something that he really wants no part of because he tries to avoid all the Facebook shenanigans like the plague. All I wanted to do this morning was talk a little bit about metal and talk a little bit about spider care and stuff like that. And I felt compelled to do this. So hopefully those of you that are listening to this, let's, you know, it's like that pay it forward thing. When you see one of these things erupt, do the right thing. Walk away or just say, hey, guys, come on, knock it off, and then walk away. We don't need it. And let the little hate group forums and and Facebook groups do their thing. If you don't like, I know I think of a couple that people have left recently and told me I left them because I I couldn't deal with what was going on there. That's a great way to speak. You know, it it speaks volumes. I'm, I'm not going to socialize with you people anymore because it's too negative. Let's keep things positive. Let's keep things logical. Let's, if, if we have a situation where somebody's pricing something's too high, trust me, it's going to have to come down if it's too high and the market can't support it. It's the way the market works. And I have to just put this one out there, and I know people are probably going to get mad at me, but guys, we're not entitled to these things. I, I, it was like when they, the Saladonia got pulled and people were freaking out about it. And like, but I want one of these in my collection. Well, I'm sorry. You can't have one. I want a lot, I want a lot of things I can't have too. I mean, it's, I think we've just, again, it's that instant gratification. I see it. It's beautiful. I want it. And that's not how the world works. Let's exercise a little bit of patience. And I've said it time and time again, if any hobby demands patience, it's the tarantula hobby. If you can't wait a couple of years for the spider, you really, 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 really have to have this. Basically, let's be realistic. It's going to sit on your shelf in, in, in a container and in an enclosure and you're going to drop some crickets in. You're going to stare at it a little while. If you can't wait for that, then perhaps you need to find a hobby that's, you know, doesn't demand the level of, you know, patience that ours does. And again, I don't like to get negative, so I apologize, everybody. So we're going to end this one in a moment with a little bit more metal just for fun. So those of you that don't like metal, they're driving in your car on the way to work. Please feel free to turn this down. Those of you that are metal fans, please feel free to check this one out. And I would encourage people, please, please feel free to find me over on Bandcamp for any of y'all that use that uh, site. I actually discovered it recently and just absolutely love this. This is how I go to my happy place and spend some free time. So feel free to look me up and uh, marvel at my collection of rather eclectic music that I've got over there. I'm just, I'm having so much fun just going through the new releases and stuff. So again, you guys are listening to this for Spider, so I'll shut up about this for a moment. So as usual, if you'd like to leave a comment, please do so on my Facebook page. And I'm going to ask, let's keep this positive. I don't want names. I don't want, I, I, I'm going to go so far to say if somebody starts throwing names down there or, you know, pointing toward people or getting nasty, I'm just going to delete it. And I have this thing about deleting comments. I don't like doing it. And I, I think I've done it like twice on my YouTube channel just because the person was crass but let's keep it positive you know give me some positive experiences some people you've worked with that you like some people that have been influential it's let's that'd be a nice way honestly i i think we'll do that if you have people that you've worked with that you like that have done something above and beyond especially you know let's give some love to the vendors some vendors you've worked with that have really gone that extra mile to make sure you were happy please share the stories and then next week we can kind of go through some of those so i can wash the bitter taste of having to do this incredibly negative podcast out of my mouth even right now i'm debating whether or not i'm just going to do another one and not post this because i hate doing them but i do think something needs to be said guys we need to behave ourselves we need to act like human beings we need to act like people that all belong to this collective of folks that find these animals that most people abhor to be incredibly fascinating and beautiful and worth keeping and worth our love and attention and we need to Allow that to be the thing that binds us together and try to not get caught up in typical petty human behavior and joining these little cliques and these little groups and bashing people behind their backs and emailing people for information on other people. 
I, I know we're never going to be able to delete it all, but I'll tell you, if the majority of us come together and start acting like, you know, respectful adults, these ding-dongs that are running around stirring the pot and bragging about how much, you know, crap they're causing will eventually just fade away because they won't have an audience. So let's just agree to do it together and let's have some positive feedback in the comment section of this one. I might even throw this one up on a Saturday night just for fun, only because I, I, I really want to get the taste of this out of my mouth and I want some positive to come from it. So I am done talking. Feel free to find me on YouTube or on TomsBigSpiders.com, which I am incredibly proud to announce uh, actually passed 1 million views the other day. Um, Again, I'm not the type like, hey, everybody congratulate me. Don't Please don't even put in congratulations in the comments. It's just something I wanted to share because for me to have started this just kind of a humble joke between Billy and I that I was going to do a tarantula blog and, and, and joked one day, watch, this is going to be a big thing. And we'd all laugh when I get three views. To see it grow to that is just humbling. And it's, it's, I'm really proud of it, honestly. I just, it's something I'm very proud of. I put a lot of work into it. And I've met a lot of great people from it. It's just been an amazing experience. So thank you to all who, I know there's a lot of you out there that started following me through the blog and then kind of came over to the YouTube channels and some of you found me and now you're on the podcast. So again, please don't think for a second I don't appreciate the support I get. It's just incredibly cool. So I'm going to shut up. We're going to end this with a little bit of metal. So for those of you who don't like metal, turn down the volume. For those of you that do, please check these guys out. Danny's a heck of a guy. He's a hobbyist. We want to support our hobbyists and I'd love to get him some listens and possibly some new fans. And again, for those of you out there, they're inevitably going to go, oh, Tom's selling space, not ad space. This is Tom having fun. I, I can't think of any cooler thing than combining two of my favorite loves, which is tarantulas and uh, heavy metal music and metal music in general. And to meet somebody that's a hobbyist, that's a cool guy that's been a heck of a lot of fun to converse with that also happens to make an album that I absolutely love at the moment. I, that's just academic. I'm going to have some fun with it and play it. So thanks so much for listening. Thanks for putting up for my with my rants. Thanks so much for not freaking out when you heard that the music wasn't the normal Tom. Tom's Big Spiders music, and hopefully you enjoyed it, and you'll listen to this a little bit at the end. And Danny, thanks so much for getting me this album, because uh, I'm absolutely loving it, and I can't wait for the vinyl. So everybody, take care. If you're driving to work, drive carefully. I'm probably having my, if it's Monday morning, having my first cup of coffee and trying desperately to wake up before my room is flooded with freshmen. So everybody, have a great one.
Fear. 